Welcome to Spark Your Fire podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. These are the same people that I got to deal with. Tell me what's not, what's not a hit record. <laughs> so, so what do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. Good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire podcast. I am one of the hosts, David Shi, uh, and uh, my usual partner in crime, Jazz, is not here with us today. Unfortunately, he's uh, not feeling too well. Um, too much Easter eggs, or that's all I can assume, um, <laughs> over the Easter break. But um, so I'm flying solo today. Um, but thankfully, you know, we've got one of our usual regular uh, guest that comes back from time to time and, uh, you know, very, very popular as well amongst, uh, amongst our listeners. Um, so today we have Tom Rivera from Property Queensland, uh, Property Works Queensland uh, back onto the show with us um, to give us a quick update on what's happening on Logan Ground. Tom, welcome back. Hi, David. Thanks for having me back. As always, it's been a pleasure with you. How was your Easter break? Did you do anything? Did you go flooded with all the management uh, and all the tenant requests <laughs> across Easter? No, we were just flooded with rain. More rain up here, more flooding. Oh, really? Flash um, flooding? <laughs> no, no. It's just been a steady haze for the whole Easter weekend. I'm, my understanding is it only really covered Brisbane. Anyone who managed to get away camping or up the beach was... Um, awarded with clear skies and great weather um but we we had a, a nice saturday night um other than that got a bit of work done so not not sort of an overly exciting easter <laughs> uh but cert- certainly not too bad i heard that uh down south the weather was better which is at least parts of australia got to enjoy their um their I, i'd argue probably the best break that we get um not too hot not too cold yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, Easter Easter weekend in Sydney is just a- a- absolutely fabulous, you know, around the 20 to 27 degrees. It was all sunny throughout and, um, yeah, well, now it's starting to get a bit of rain. But, uh, um, yeah, I-, I must say we are very, very fortunate to have such a, such a fantastic Easter long weekend uh, with such nice weather too. Um, and, you know, I think... You guys, because I think on was it on Thursday that Queensland um, Premier um, just announced that uh, the flash lockdown is being aborted. Uh, was that was it on Thursday? I think it was. That's right. Nine o'clock yeah. on Thursday, they announced that the uh, lockdown would end at midday Thursday. Oh, nice! Exciting news. I uh, I suspect that although certain people in in positions of authority for health may have had the uh, opinion that the lockdown should continue. I, I expect Queenslanders would have rioted if they missed out on their Easter weekend. And I, I really think that that was a, a large deciding factor there. I, I just cannot imagine having all the Queenslanders locked up in their homes during the Easter weekend, how that's going to impact. For a I guess second people- year in a row. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, because yeah, last year it's it's exactly it's exactly this case, right? So yeah, I can certainly imagine. So 
well done, well done. Managed to, uh, th- thankfully, the Queensland uh, people were able to get out and about. And uh, hopefully, even though it's a bit of a uh, rainy season, but uh, at least you guys are able to get uh, outside um, rather than being locked down. So that's always good. It's certainly it's hard to complain after what the, um, the southern states, particularly Victoria, have gone <laughs> through in the last year or so. We've been very spoiled. I know. I mean, if Jazz is here, he will tell you all about it, mate. Let me tell you about, you know, he's now an expert in homeschooling, that's I'm sure. So <laughs> if you ever need any kind of advice around homeschooling, just yell out. He'll, he'll, he'll give you as much as you need. <laughs> oh, dare I say that without kids in the household, I almost enjoyed lockdown, but do I have some sympathy for those who, uh, who had, uh, had more members than they would have otherwise liked for a, a peaceful peaceful time at home <laughs> yeah no absolutely absolutely all right mate well look uh it's been a, it's been a good i reckon six months uh since we actually last got you on and uh, as we all know that the property market has since turned or took and taken a drastic turn especially around earlier this year um you know the latest uh result from core logic kind of release i think on the average nation, nationwide was getting around two point something percent uh in terms of all the capital growth across all capital cities and Brisbane's obviously doing quite well. I think it was around close to 2% as well. Um, so we're seeing that spurt of growth everywhere. And um, I know you're primarily focused around the Logan area. Um, and that's why I think today our conversation will be surrounding more around the Logan area and give our listeners a bit of Logan market update uh, is, is our intention. So um, have you seen since January there's been a huge pickup in terms of prices? Around, and I know Logan is huge. So, you know, like we're talking about what 80 plus suburbs here, right? Across as a Logan Council, um, uh, LGA, I should say. Um, so, but in general, like those areas in Logan that you're focused on, um, and I know you manage quite a lot of properties across Logan, are you seeing that price growth that's actually moving now in? Across uh, across Logan Market, yeah. So there's a massive price growth across sales and rentals. Um, I I don't spend quite as much time in sales as I do rentals, but it's really hard to miss what's happening. Um, mm. You know, I uh, as as recently as let's say August last year, when the market was recovering, there were some there were still some bargains around. You know, sub two hundred thousand dollars three bedroom house that doesn't really need a whole lot spent on it. Boy, are they gone now. Um, that sort of house, you know, you're looking at, I, I don't think there's much around, uh, on a freestanding block of land that's less than 300,000 now. And um, wow. certainly the east side of the highway, Springwood, Daisy Hill, your so-called Upper Logan, yep. um, you're looking at sort of an entry point of around 500,000 now. Not, not long ago, it was 400, mm. you know. It, um, some really, really dramatic increases across the board. You've certainly still got your sort of units and townhouses, and you you definitely haven't seen a hundred grand on a on a two bedroom townhouse in Woodridge. But even oh. then, those prices are approaching two hundred thousand for the first time since let's say two thousand nine. Um, so it's looking really positive across the board for sales, uh, for rentals. We're just wild price increases. Um, I'm in my tenth year now, and this is the first market that I could describe as having been a boom market that I've ever been involved in. Um, so it's a it's a learning experience. We're we're appraising properties for clients and saying, I've got no data to support this number, but let's give it a crack. Two weeks later, we've got a fabulous tenant in there at fifty dollars a week more than what it was achieving before. Wow. Um, there you go. So, you know, historic data from as recently as three months ago is now completely useless. 
um, and you're just going by touch and feel. I think a lot of agents, um, I'd say in my area, and I'd suggest you're probably around the country, are not taking this, um, uh, not taking the opportunity to, you know, uh, maximize the, the return for their clients. Mm. And they're running around talking about hundreds of applications on these properties. Um, but realistically, that we're still getting fabulous tenants applying at significantly higher rents than what we were achieving. And pe- people, people aren't, to a degree, some people are desperate, particularly uh, people who would struggle to rent at the best of times now are yep. finding it doubly difficult. Um, but most people have just understood that this is, this is this new normal for us now. And I certainly don't know how much longer it's going to last for, but we're very much enjoying being able to give clients good news after nearly 10 years of, mm. of you know, the stagnant, stagnant rents. And it's, it's about time. Oh, look, I totally agree. And I think it's good to be able to see that both capital growth from a property price perspective, as well as the rental yield is, is both on the rise, you know, um, that's certainly an indication of the booming market. And, most of the time, you know, the capital growth increases. However, um, the rental yield doesn't necessarily increase in that respect. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the the more expensive the property is, the less the rental yield is. So it's quite good to know that both the price is going up as well as the rent is also going up at the same time, right? Which is also quite rare <laughs> in uh, Queensland yeah, terms. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great news for those people who have got properties, uh, I guess, as an existing landlord in Queensland. Um, but I guess, uh, there's, there's obviously different speeds in terms of houses and townhouses. And I don't think there's apartments in, in Logan at this point. I think they're mainly just, uh, townhouses, are they like units? That's there's, what you guys call them. Some. There's a new set of blocks in Logan Central. Um, there's some around Bean Lee that is oh, zoned yeah. and, developed for it but mm-hmm. it is largely semi-detached um yeah. that's it's what a, i thought very much an 80s product um there was an explosion of sort of unit complexes as you'd call them in the 80s and mm. the early 90s and now they're all sitting around mostly investment properties and uh so with houses that's probably what we're seeing at the moment it is the houses house price growths are the one that's currently getting pushed up very, very quickly, right? Um, Absolutely. So um, like that's say, for example, so you, you did mention earlier that there's literally no houses or standalone house, detached houses sitting on a block of land that's under $300,000. Does that include the likes of Logan Central, Woodridge, Kingston, you know, like, yep. you know, the Eagle ones that we always have stigma with before? Yep. And even... Even uh, recently, uh, uh, a really tidy, nothing left to do, four-bedroom house in Eagleby um, mm. for sub, well under sub-350 was the, probably the best buy that I've seen in three months. Um, and a year ago, you would have you would have thought that was a good buy at 300. And now you're looking at it going, oh, geez, that, that wouldn't be so bad at 350. You know, and in a lot of cases, it, we're adjusting our um, expectations up by – Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Anything more than four bedrooms in these newer development areas, uh, with the exception of Yarrabilba. So you're talking Park Ridge, Logan Reserve, um, Waterford, Homeview. Those sorts of properties were, if you were lucky, you know, just pre-COVID, a a sub three fifty option for something that yielded well, attracted good quality tenants, and didn't need a lot of work. And now, 
you won't find one for under 400,000. Wow. And that's, and that's in such a short amount of time. Are you, are you really seeing the price growth just around the last three months or have you started seeing this late last year? I'd say in the last three months, late last year, things were looking positive, but mm. since January, things have been rocketing upwards. So we sort of, we saw the turnaround around August, uh, people coming out of the woodworks, rental was, rentals were getting easier to rent, but we weren't looking at big, big jumps. And there were still a couple of those bargains out there. It was yep. definitely since January that things just all let loose. Accelerated, right? Like taking it to the next level. Um, yeah. I'm not expecting that you know this, but are you seeing more owner occupiers now kind of try to starting to get into the Logan market, especially the Actually, low that's end? A, that's a good question. From around August to December, the salespeople were all saying the same thing. There were no investors in the market. It was all owner occupiers. Mm. Now, let's say from January, the investors have started to see things turn and, and spike up. Now we're seeing more investors. Personally, I've had more referral, more people, more existing clients and new clients buying in the last two months than I did in, let's say, the entire of last year. Wow. It's a bit of a cheat of a statement to make because of COVID, but to mm-hmm. give, I can give you an idea of um, people are jumping in there. And I'd say for the majority of them, they were afraid that this market will keep heating up and then they'll be um, bought out. And it, it takes a bullish purchaser to say I'm going to pay 50000 more than what I would have paid six months ago because I know if I don't buy now, I'm going to be paying another 50000 again. Um, and I'd, I'm I'm quite a fence sitter. I think if I was, in, I was buying, I'd be struggling to make the decision. But I think those clients are going to be doing really well out of it if this keeps rolling along and, and going up and up. So it sounds like there's a bit of fear of missing out, uh, FOMO on the ground as well. Um, with the fact that both own occupier and investors competing for properties. Yeah, absolutely. And I think historically we've seen that FOMO being a, a real driver of booming markets too. Yeah. 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 I know that's, that's crazy. I mean, you know, who, who would have thought that the FOMO would have also got to uh, Logan, <laughs> but uh, oh. you know, it shows that anything can happen right in the, People keep asking me what I think is driving this and where it's going to go, and I keep saying, well, the government thought we'd be in a recession right now, and if all, all the minds of the government and the Reserve Bank and the analysts couldn't have predicted this, then I'm certainly I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I, I probably don't have a better idea than them anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. But it, just, yeah, it is amazing when you think about it, especially – you know, the, the lower part, like the lower social demographic areas, like the likes of Logan Central, the Woodridge, the Kingstons, you know, where I know Queenslanders would frown upon just by, just by hearing their names, just because they're, unfortunately the demographic is so terrible around the area. But if we're starting to see price rises in these areas as well, that means certainly, um, you know, there's um, there's been a lot of demand and, uh, you know, the, the prices that we're seeing at beforehand, as you said, sub 300 is now moving into the 300 to 350K mark, um, which is, yeah, it's it's astonishing, um, I have to say. Um, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be moving so quickly. The um, It's almost like the, the top and the bottom has moved. I mean, the middle's been moving a lot too, but the ones you really pay attention to are the top and the bottom because mm. the top are the, the street records and the, 
you know, wow, that much for Logan. And then the bottom are the ones where you're sitting on realestate.com looking for a bargain with the, uh, the, your filter set from low to high. And there's, there's been some houses, you know, there's a, a block of land in Bean Lee that sold for somewhere between 260 and 280,000 with a, with a house that still needed to be gotten rid of on it. You know, wow. the house is absolutely not livable. Um, there's at least 20 grand there. So it's, someone's paid near 300 grand for a 600 square meter block in Bean Lee. Um, a number of half finished renovations selling for what they should have been worth ready to tenant. So a lot of the, a lot of that bottom end stock have got people jumping on it thinking this is the cheapest I can do. I'm just going to take it. So that, yep. that's been really odd. Um, thinking, God, did someone pay 300000 for that? That was a $200,000 house three months ago. Not potentially to that degree, but, yeah. you know, something in Logan Central that needs a thorough renovation for 300000 is almost mind-blowing. Yeah, that's amazing, I have to say, um, you know, but it's good because I think that's actually, strictly speaking, that's what happened uh, during the last Sydney cycle for Mundjord as well, if I can use Sydney as a bit of comparison. Uh, I think Mundjord was also even lower than Logan, uh, price even lower than, lower than Logan around that point in time, maybe the high 200s as well, and it boomed all the way to about 500. Not to say that uh, Logan will do the same, but uh, it's certainly positive to be able to see price movements um, in Queensland, which most of the investors, including myself, have been longing for uh, for the area. So definitely, definitely good news. Um, but that raises a good point. Uh, let's say, for example, those investors who try to get into the market now, um, what's, um, I guess, what sort of areas would you, would you actually consider uh, in the current market that's kind of like um, that's still worthwhile having investors to, to think about? Because, Traditionally, the the um, the idea is for people to pick up a bargain in Logan uh, with a really decent rental yield. But if we're now seeing that the price movement is starting to happen, does that mean um, the the areas that used to present good yield opportunities has now changed and shifted? Have you got any recommendations on on any areas? I'd say that the the proportion of improvement in the market is. It, it's proportionate to how it was before. So the premium areas that were always a little expensive um, and, and provided poorer yields with better capital growth prospects, Springwood, mm. for example, yep. have improved more than something like Crestmead, which was a more balanced option with a better yield. Yes. Um, price wise, uh, sorry, sales wise. So your areas which were better yield options before probably still are. And the areas that were better capital growth options before probably still are. For that reason, I've I've had some clients recently find some great properties in Eagleby, um, Crestmead, uh, Waterford. Um, we found it wasn't so much searching for a particular style of property or suburb. It was just finding the right buy from someone who potentially didn't have a great real estate agent um, mm. who was up to date with how well things are going or, or they needed to sell desperately and the agent might not have you know, just someone that typical below market purchase. And okay. it's funny now because of the way things are going, below market may be higher than what you were expecting it to be. It's just not as high as it really could be. Um, and that's where you get those really bullish clients who are on the ball and just say, that's the property, I'll take it. Yeah, right. Um, and though the, I haven't really been getting much in the way of those um I know we talked 
previously about really high yield assets built in below. Yes. Um, the ones you can buy for you know under three hundred grand and rent out for four hundred and fifty a week. I haven't seen much of that. It's mostly been sort of traditional Logan three set eighty. Uh, sorry, three bed eighties builds on six to eight hundred square meters. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you've got the high set um, weatherboard clad ones as well, but mostly sort of your low set bricks, which is very typical Logan build: Crestmead, Marsden, Browns yes. Plains, um, Bethania. Um, even been lead to a degree. Mm. So with those high sets, um, how much are they are they fetching? Are they fetching like let's say for example they used to fetch around the three fifty k mark? Will they be pushing around the four hundred or four fifty? Just to, you know from a numbers comparison purposes, let's say assume that's all done up. So dual living um, downstairs not legal height, but you still can use it as a rumpers area. How much will they be fetching for now? It's funny when you say done up because those properties are my favourite example of buildings that are poorly renovated and blatantly poorly renovated in a way that you can tell that someone who'd never painted in their life painted it. It looks like it would if I tried to renovate something. Um, That's the vast majority of them. And it's generally because someone has just jumped in as cheaply as possible and chased Mm. a high yield because someone said, if you renovate this, you'll get this much rent. Yeah, those ones don't sell for as much as ones that say would be owner occupied, and therefore the work done nicely. Okay. Um, for example, I've got a couple in Woodridge that are very, very similar. One of them rents for seventy-five dollars a week more because it's a much higher quality property, despite wow. offering on a piece of paper a, a very similar level of features. Um, I've seen a couple of those selling off yield alone. Um, in mid fours in areas that mid fours really weren't achievable previously recently. Um, and I won't give too much away on that because I, I'm not sure whether that may have settled yet, but, um, (laughs) you know, if if someone's got a great yield, even with the elevated price, people just seem to be jumping on it. Mm. Mm. And I think it's partly because money is so cheap at the moment, right? So, you know, when people do their calculations, if you can get a gross rental return of even a 6%, which traditionally is acceptable in Logan, you can beat that. But nowadays, you're probably looking more towards a 5 or 6% gross rental return. Um, and then in that case, you know, they, they might they crunch the numbers because of the interest rates low, therefore it still works out to be relatively sane. You know, you still get money in your pocket at the end of the day. Um, so that might be yeah, absolutely. The, yeah, the reason why people go, look, you know what, I can still afford to pay a little bit more um, just because, you know, it, it, I want to make sure that this is um, this is still a feasible investment option. I can still get a good return out of it. So, mm. okay, now that's interesting. There's definitely more people right now buying for capital growth yes. um, rather than yield. Traditionally, Logan is a very heavy set yield play. People will tend to buy property around here when we have property elsewhere to balance out the portfolio. Um, or if they're early in their investment career and take a lot of scotch and that sort of thing. Now I think the people that I found who are buying are buying because they're excited for continued growth but perhaps don't have, say, $900,000 to buy in the middle of Brisbane, somewhere yeah. where they might get a better percentage of growth but either don't have that much money or don't want to take the risk on something like that. Let's say if it doesn't continue to grow, you're holding something that's chewing up your cash. So it's still being bought as the safe option but the word – Capital growth is on the forefront of people's minds, whereas previously it used to be all about yield. 
That's right. That's certainly the case when I was basically entering the market back in about 2016, right? That's whenever you talk about Logan, the immediate word that comes up is great yield, basically. So, and that raises a good point because, um, you know, now that we're seeing both the capital growth, the price, uh, as well as the rent both going up, uh, should the investor start consider reconsidering pivoting uh, with a different strategy when they get into Logan now? Like, what will be your view on this? Would, would still, will people still have the expectation to kind of go into Logan just for the pure yield play, or they should probably look at deploying a different type of um, investment strategy when they're choosing a Logan property? Um, I still think it's a balanced option, but I think that the investment strategy needs to change in that time is of the essence. Mm. Um, previously, you could spend a year umming and ahhing until the right property came along, and then you'd be really happy with the purchase. Right now, I think you just need to find the right property that's not potential, you know, not ten percent under market and not perfect for exactly what you were looking for. It's yep. potentially just fits the bill well enough. It's not already under offer. The sales agent is actually answering your call and doing their job you can get your contract in signed settled and ride the wave with everyone else mm. so there was there never used to be a real sense of urgency in buying around here that there is now and, and i'm not saying it's unique obviously if all the areas are increasing so is here but if you were to take the context away this that is quite new for logan um in let's say the last decade so it's not so much that your strategy would be changing. Um, and I guess your your yield, the rents are going up with the price, but I'd say that the price so far has probably outstripped the rent, not by a dramatic amount, but by enough that the yield makes a little bit less sense. Um, but the, the biggest point of difference by far would be that sense of urgency. And I don't yeah. like being a salesperson selling a sense of urgency, you know, quick buy the car today, someone will buy it tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's not so much that, but it, it really does seem to be the case. Now, a number of friends and family and clients have been buying recently. And if you scroll through, everything's under offer. Yeah. You call something that's not under offer, the agent hasn't updated it yet. It is actually under offer. They just didn't press the button. It's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe just pay advertising, right? Like leave it on there for people to call so that they can get the details and that kind of stuff. That's another way of getting. Uh, aren't real estate agents the worst? <laughs> and knowing you, like I know you're not the type of person who, who, who will be making that kind of statement. So, you know, if you are to say that, um, uh, you know, people will need to jump in and they need to jump in quickly, then definitely, you know, from what you're seeing on the ground, it is moving. I think that's why that's why yeah. you're making that kind of statement to say for investors, you know, as you said beforehand, they used to be able to sit back and just pick and choose and take time to do the due diligence. Now the whole capital cities and the whole mantra on property markets changed significantly, you know. And um, and I think I mentioned this with uh, John Camino the other day on our on our Friday wrap as well in terms of. Um, you know what what you should be doing and how do you how do you able to succeed in terms of getting a property in the current booming market um, so there's a few nice principles which we touched on uh, during that call so uh, for anyone who's uh, interested uh, feel free to check that out um, but um, I guess from a um, strategic perspective in terms of the asset selection um, so you know how we used to uh, and this is this could be biased because back in 2016 or 2015, 2016 period, I think the high set was the was the favorite for Logan. Um, and then it started tapering off. I think around 20, maybe around the 18, 19, it started going back to what uh, low set on maybe a balanced 
market like Crestme, Marston, that kind of stuff. Um, so has, you know, for investors getting in now, would you still recommend high set at the moment? I still think the high sets have great yields if you do the job properly. Um, mm. I mean, they've got great yields if you don't, but then your house is falling apart because you didn't fix anything properly. Um, <laughs> Double the maintenance. But they, they don't have the yields that they used to. I think we touched on this previously. And yes. let's say four years ago, you would pay 300000 and get five fifty a week. Now you're paying three hundred. Oh, sorry. Then you were paying 350 perhaps a little more, and then only getting 450 to 500 a week. So you're Correct. sort of getting 50 to 100 less. And that was purely based on supply and demand. Everyone started getting into this, hey, look at my dual living home I've built. There's, there was always a lot of demand and now there was too much supply and people could pick and choose where previously they couldn't and would pay a premium rent for it. But still, if you look at those numbers, it's still a great yield. Mm. Um, there is a risk inherent with that, obviously with the not legal height thing. And I, I never comfortable with it but it is what it is um if you look now i guess uh, those properties are not really any less um uh less valuable than they were when we last spoke about it okay i think more so people are just jumping in now and buying anything that's reasonably priced looking less at the yield and more so at the the value of the house so it's not that those high yield high sets are less popular than they used to be. I'd just say that every other property is probably more popular than it used to be. Mm. So, you know, that's that's coming up faster purely because people just want skin in the game. Yeah. You did mention supply and demand for high sets. Um, are high sets now also renting a lot higher or um, or they're still, um, they're still kind of a bit subdued at the moment? I'd, I haven't had a lot of those high sets to rent in the last couple of months. Okay. Um, and it, it is really hard to look at comparables because, one, we haven't had very long for it. And, two, a lot of agents are not increasing the rents in line with the market interest. Yep. So an agent could go, wow, I had 40 grand applications at the first viewing and I got the same 400 a week I was getting before, when in reality they probably could have gotten 450 or higher. When we're looking at as comparable data, we have to identify that that was not that property rented at its best possible income and therefore it doesn't make a good comparable so mm -hmm. we're sort of doing a lot of touch and feel here as to what property should be worth um with those yeah, right. high sets i probably haven't seen a massive um increase for them it probably similar absolute value to mm -hmm. other properties which would suggest i guess a, a lower percentage so for example a tidy three-bed low set in uh, Marsden, they have been achieving 340 a week before and could be achieving up to 375 now. Mm, wow. um, tidy, but you know, not particularly feature sim or renovated. If it was beautiful and renovated with a double garage, you'd probably get 400 a week now. 400 previously was reserved only for four bedders. Mm. Um, with these high sets, the worst of the the worst of the dual living homes were getting 400 a week. Um, most of them were getting about 450. Some of the ones that have been rented for years were getting anywhere between five and 600. Um, yeah. If you re-rented them on the open market now, you would get less. And re-rented in the market more recently, the really, really nice ones, shed, solar pool, whatever, 550 a week. I'd say we're probably getting similar, um, maybe $30 a week more, 50 if it's really nice. But that's probably not, in absolute terms, really much more than any other property. Sure. 
Mm, okay, that's really uh, that's that's really great insights, I guess, for our for our investors. And and I guess from what you've um, commented on before, um, and I'm just thinking out aloud, would a alternative strategy of purchasing a low set but do a very nice renovation? Um, well, I wouldn't say obviously got to be careful not to overcapitalize, but at least decent quality renovations, not cutting corners, that kind of stuff, would be a good strategy to basically add value and be able to fetch a nice rental yield uh, even for low set in the current environment would that be one of your recommendations for investors yeah absolutely i mean if you can snag a cheap four bedroom go for it but if you as three bedders now you know i let, let's talk um an old three bedroom in early 90s condition beige on beige on cream um, yep. brown carpets, etc. Nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it's dated. You could do the floors, paint, window coverings. Um, if you add some bits and pieces because you've just bought the property, things like window rollers, your well certificate, there's some leaking taps. You spend about 10 grand by that stage. Mm. Um, that will dramatically change the presentation of the house. It somewhat future-proofs it um, and from further maintenance, so there's some value there. Um, and you're looking at, you know, the previous person may have had that rented for three twenty-five a week, and and you're going to ask three ninety. A um, couple of other things you can do is the old batten fitting lights are getting a bit tired looking these days. While well, you've got someone in there painting, get an electrician to put thirty-dollar uh, recessed down lights in each room. Yeah, you know, modern-looking fan lights that only costs two or three thousand i say only but it dramatically improves the presentation of the house mm. and again led the the quality led light fittings never fail and the battens that are all 30 years old now are all dying anyway so you're you're updating the house you're future proofing yourself from maintenance you're getting significantly more rent to a better quality of tenants as well yeah, true. um some of it i can give you a number for and say this is this will achieve this much more rent this much less vacancy but some of those benefits are also less harder to put a number on yeah um and anything i really like anything that's sort of a, a low set brick um effectively 90s onwards builds are always really popular and really easy to modernize if you've got sort of a, a 70s or 80s asbestos clad fibro home it's it's not easy to modernize mm. you know houses these days look different when we build them brand new they're not high set cladded rectangles anymore but something built in the early 90s with an old laminate bench top and some you know you can tell it's dated it's not that hard to update you've still got the low set brick house with the same pitch roof a little bit of gable a roller door similar modern layouts it's all if you're lucky you might have an ensuite um it's all still in a modern style of construction it's just the cosmetic stuff, which is the easy stuff to fix, yes. is potentially dated. Yeah. Um, you may need to change a vanity by the time it's 30 years old, but the bathroom largely will still be uh, modern configuration. You can change handles on the kitchen doors instead of the whole lot in a lot of cases because it's all still in reasonable condition and modern enough. So there's not really any deep bones to change to make yeah. it look like it, it could have been built in the last five years as opposed to 30 years ago. 
yeah, it's all cosmetic changes. And, and I think that's what that's what you're going to be able to win, either increasing rent and increasing value potentially at the same time when you get the bank to come out and do a valuation due to the presentation. They'll probably look at comparing it to some of the newer builds. Well, not the newer builds, sorry, the one that's been uh, nicely renovated, I should say, and therefore have fetched a higher price as well. So. Well, certainly, if you've um, if you've managed to find yourself a four bedroom home from that period, and they do exist, a lot of them still only have one bathroom and a single garage. But the four bedroom will put you you close on a really good point there. That mm. may put you in a um, if for a valuer where they'll compare that house to things that were built in the last five to ten years. Yeah. Um, which, if you're looking to release equity, could be a great idea. I don't think a lot of people build three-bedders these days. So if you did have a three-bedroom home, you'd maybe struggle to get put in the same classroom. Um, but the four-bedders, I can't see why they, they wouldn't do that, especially in an area like Crestmead, um, neighbouring with Park Ridge with a lot of new development. That's probably not a bad idea at all. A really good point, uh, and I think that's that's great insights, Tom. Um, yeah, look, uh, what, mindful of the time, and you know, we can chat Logan all day, of course, like always. Um, I, I think there's been a uh, important news uh, in relation to Queensland legislation changes as well, which I just thought, whilst we've got you here, um, could you give us a quick update about this uh, new smoke alarm legislation that's just been recently introduced in Queensland? Okay, so. 2016 uh, legislation was implemented with a new standard of smoke alarm installing Queensland properties. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed previously, a simple battery alarm could be screwed up into a hallway and that would be your smoke alarm um, requirements completed. Yes. Um, now, so all brand new builds by the end of 2016 needed to be compliant, all rental properties by 2021. Uh, and then I think 25 and 28 from memory for sale properties and then all properties. It's similar to how they bought in pool, um, pool fencing from memory. Mm. So you effectively now, the alarms need to meet a new standard. They need to interconnect uh, wirelessly or wired. Um, they need to either be hardwired or have a sealed 10-year lithium alarm, uh, sorry, lithium battery. Um, for reference, most of the providers are going with the wireless sealed battery options because they're easier to install even though they cost more to buy new. That is some electricians will advise that that's not okay and certainly my understanding is the spirit of the legislation was that the wireless ones were only intended to be used where it's not practical to wire them. But I've had some very big and qualified voices tell me that it is perfectly permissible to have wireless alarms throughout, regardless of the construction of the property. So let's say a modern four-bed house with a big roof cavity and plastic ceilings, that there'd be no barrier to, to hardwiring them. It is still permissible to have wireless alarms. Um, the actual locations of them, um, largely in the bedrooms and in the junctions outside the bedrooms and on each floor that has living spaces. If someone is yelling up and down that that's wrong, I please forgive me. It's more complicated than it used to be. <laughs> um, but generally, your average three-bedroom home may have used to have needed one alarm, usually needs about five now. Big yeah. difference there. They're all interconnected. It adds a whole bunch of... It, obviously, the new alarms are more complex and expensive, um, when you have five times the alarms in the house, you then have five times the fail rates and people calling saying my alarms are beeping. So the quality of the alarm becomes more important. Um, Brooks alarms were the first to market and largely considered to be the best quality. 
A lot of people are liking the Clipsal alarms because they're a no, known brand name. Interestingly, Clipsal hardwired are really cheap, but the wireless ones aren't, strangely. Other hmm. ones like Emerald Planet, it's a more similar price. Um, we've got a, a main provider using an alarm from Citadel, which is supposed to be a reasonable um, compromise between really being really well priced and having a good uh, a good fail rate. Yeah. Um, so, so much more to think about as a property manager that we used to really not have to put any thought into at all. Um, the important thing for clients to know: your average three-bedroom house should cost between, let's say. 550 to 650 if you're yes. being charged 800 to a thousand for it and you're not getting brooks alarms it's too much um i would for those who value quality i would pay more for brooks but i wouldn't press upon my clients to do that that way i would leave the choice up to them personally yes. we've gone with a cheaper alarm option that has still has an exceptional warranty um i would I would get upgraded before, let's say, before the end of the financial year. The smoke alarm companies have been running around telling everyone that the price will go up towards the end of the year. Many people feel like that's just scare tactics to get them to buy sooner. You're probably right, but the prices will go up by the end of the year. Um, I've had them sell me figures of how many properties are left to upgrade and how many electricians we have doing the upgrades. If everyone leaves it to the last minute, we will genuinely struggle to get everyone compliant in time. Mm -hmm. If you order your alarms in December, do not expect to be compliant by the next year. Um, I've upgraded. I've got probably 95% of my portfolio ordered now, and I expect the companies to have that done by June. I think, yeah, need need to take action early. Don't leave it till last minute, basically, is the key messages. And, And I think... Um, because of this legislation changes, that also means the Queensland landlord is now having more responsibility and uh, both from cost and uh, maintenance perspective um, to ensure that the house, like even just the average house, like you said, a three-bedroom, low-set um, house, which you only use to have one <laughs> smoke alarm around the house, um, and, and that will tick the compliance box has now changed significantly into, you know, you may need about five or six on average so yeah. um and that's a huge difference in terms of cost like you said you know before it might be just 100 bucks um for a whole year and now you're looking at potentially what a 600 dollars uh ish for initial installation and what about the ongoing maintenance though like if you say for example you pay 600 bucks um to get all that five or six smoke alarms done set up Okay, so 2021 is done. 2022, do you need to do like a yearly type of inspection, maintenance, um, and how much would that cost? Yes. So my understanding is all across Australia, these compliance companies offer their services. Uh, They are more necessary in Queensland than they are in other states. Um, The alarms need to be checked 30 days prior. Check, sorry, check service cleans 30 days prior to lease commencement of lease renewal or initial lease yeah. um, or annually, whichever sooner. So, for example, right. if you have a tenant on an ongoing periodic lease, they still need to get done every year. If you have a tenant that signs six-month leases, they get done twice a year. I don't necessarily agree. I think it would just be easier if we just had them done annually. It does make our life a lot harder um, keeping track of it all, but it is what it is. These companies will go out do everything they need with smoke alarms, provide you photo. The good companies will provide you with a full report that has a list of photos, 
what type of alarm, expiry date, et cetera, um, battery, whether it's changed or not. Um, they'll do this. Sorry, previously they would have done that for the going rate was around 99 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unlimited call outs. Some providers would change the alarms for free. Uh, most would change the batteries for free. There was some variations, some like to check your safety switches. You can pay more to get your corded blind coverings done. Sure. Um, I personally think as a property manager, we can pick that up in routine inspections. Um, but the the smoke alarm um, liability, it's strongly suggested by our peak bodies like the REIQ that these compliance companies are well worth the money that they're, that they're spending. Um, now, that being said, the compliance cost across the board has gone up. Uh, most companies that were charging 99 are now charging 129. Mm-hmm. I know of a couple of providers that are indicating that they'll be cheaper than that, but I'll believe it when I see it because the provider we were using told us that they weren't going to change price. Uh, now we have been merged with a new provider that is $129. Yeah. Um, so certainly for my clients, West. Part of the upgrade was a 12-month extension on their plan, which was great value. But once we get to the end of that, we'll be making sure that we're still getting the best value for money. Um, There are some long-stayed compliance companies out there with very average service, and there are some small companies, some new ones, with, and, and even some older ones with fantastic service. So price isn't everything, um, but paying more doesn't necessarily get you a better service either it's a fine line isn't it and very delicate very difficult to grasp especially when you know um when when, when you're not you're in your interstate as well being an interstate landlord it's just challenging to try to keep up with everything that's happening with legislation changes and what's required to be done and you know i think same thing victoria victoria also thrown in um, um you know compliance around gas and electricity checks that's going to cost landlords a good couple hundred dollars every two years um, just to make sure they're compliant on that basis. So these are all unexpected costs, and it just shows that um, anything can happen uh, with um, uh, with your with your property costs. It's never it's never the same every year, um, and you never know whether there's any other unexpected costs that could pop out from anywhere just because of a legislation change like this one, for example. So yeah, absolutely. Mind you, I think the, this these smoke alarm changes have been around for some time. Um, we've been monitoring costs since 2016. Hmm. Um, we found in the last couple of months that they bottomed out. We're expecting them to rise from here, and we're sort of we're at that point where the supply of the the supply of different smoke alarm brands competing with each other is never has never been better. Yeah. Uh, but the supply of electricians to install them will start to restrict. So that's where we found this sort of, I don't know, if you put it on a graph, this would be the meeting point where the price is as low as it goes. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel bad for some people who were early adopters uh, putting Brooks alarms in a three-bedroom house and paying $2,000, wow. you know, in 2016-17. Uh, it's a real shame that people who thought they were doing the right thing and getting onto it have now paid three times what they would have needed to now. Ouch. So that, that was the biggest reason that we kept quiet and put it off until this point. Um, But it certainly will go up from here. Um, I've also, I think most of the states are keeping a really good eye on um, Victoria's legislation and trying to quietly draft their own version Mm. of it, which is a little bit scary. Mm. Um, Mm. I think in reality, 
a lot of that legislation is not as bad as it gets sold to us. Um, I won't get overly political, but I think <laughs> in some of the ad campaigns, it's made out to be more severe than it is because of a certain voter base that appreciates that. Um, in practice, it's not entirely unreasonable. And I'd like to think that by the time it made it to other states, it would be similarly well thought out. Fingers crossed, and that's certainly hope that's the case. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, if you do hear anything or if you have any updates on those um, other compliance stuff, um, you know, next time we bring it on, please do share with our listeners. Um, you know, we are <clears throat> obviously a lot of our listeners are uh, Queensland landlords, so uh, anything that um, uh, that is upcoming that could impact and make the cost even higher, um, I'm sure everyone would appreciate giving a bit of a heads up on that. So, all right, well... Yeah, look, I'm mindful of the time. Thank you, Tom. I know you already spent a good chunk of time with us. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation today? Uh, no, I think we've covered about everything. Uh, Logan's looking exceptionally... Oh, actually, the, the whole of Southeast Queensland's looking exceptionally positive. Mm. Um, get your smoke alarms upgraded, and that's um, that's about it for, for us up here. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. And thank you, Tom. Look, you know, very you've been very generous about with your time today to uh, to share with us about Logan updates in depth and also given us a, a very detailed rundown on the smoke alarm legislation that's been happening. So hopefully that helps with our uh, listeners and landlords, our Queensland landlords, uh, who probably will need to look at taking action sooner than later. Um, and uh, you know, if you uh, if you guys got any questions about the content that we covered today, just uh, drop us an email sparkyourfirepodcast at gmail.com uh, or got any questions with Tom you know feel free to send it to the same email address we'll make sure we forward it on to Tom so that they can get uh, uh, replied and reviewed um, but yeah other than that uh, thank you Tom and um, look, we'll uh, look forward to see you and uh, see you guys again in another episode of Spark Your Fire cool thanks so much David thanks for inviting me on talk to you soon cheers mate